The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba. We're going to continue our season previews team by team, all 30 teams around Major League Baseball, to get you ready for the 2023 fantasy baseball season. And we wrap up the AL East, folks. The AL East, a very strong division with an up-and-coming young ball club. It's fun to uh, to root for, for fantasy, especially in the Baltimore Orioles. In order to help me break it all down, good friend of the show, good friend of mine, he has beat me in Tout Wars. He has won sports Emmys. He is an FSWA award winner twice don't forget csw awesome stuff there find his work on espn you know sunday night baseball if you've ever heard of that not sure um mlb network mass and orioles uh pitcherlist.com is what many people know him for because he puts up with nick pollock at least once a week which is pretty impressive <laughs> and you can find his work it on twitter at alex fast eight alex fast how we doing my friend what a, what a lovely intro. That was very kind of you. Thank you. Yeah, really, the thing I should be most known for is, as you mentioned, putting up with Nick at least once a week. It's it's twice a week now, and that's really yeah, the most right. difficult part of the job. It's just not being able to curse twice a week on a podcast. It's just so difficult. Which is funny because I'll I'll, I'll be the guy that says it. I've met you this year in Arizona, which is awesome. It was great to meet you mm -hmm. in person in Arizona. I've met Nick twice now. Nick swears once in a while too, people. So don't let him fool you. He's not as bad as us. He's not as bad as us. He's not as bad as us. Like we can let yeah, it fly. Yeah. But yeah. you get Nick in the right situation and he might catch himself, but it's coming. So just yeah. know. Just know. I love it. I love it. Well, I'll I'm super that. excited to have you talk like to have you have me on about talking about Orioles. I mean, like as soon as you reached out, I was like, Oh yeah, I gotta do this. Like I, I I'm ready for this. I'm so excited for it. 
Yeah, so let's do it. Let's talk Orioles. And like I said in the intro, it's, you know, the old joke, the bad teams have still have fancy relevant players. But now the Orioles aren't really like a bad team. They're like, an up, like they're close to kind of breaking through. Like you had a lot to root for last year. Like you enjoyed September baseball last year. Like it's, you're close. It's really close to being something fun if they don't screw it up. So it gets a, it's a good thing. We got some fancy relevance. And let's just start with the leadoff man himself, Cedric Mullins. Um, you know, those Justin Mason people out there know who Cedric Mullins is. We don't listen to Justin on this show. So um, we'll talk Cedric Mullins here. And he's coming off two years ago, that 30-30 season, which was remarkable. We knew there would be a setback, but still eight, uh, 16 homers, 34 steals last year. Things were good. So how are you looking at said now going into this year where it's like people realized, oh, he's not a 30-home run guy. It's like, well, no, duh, he wasn't going to be a 30-home run guy consistently. Still a very good ball player, and you're not playing a premium come draft day anymore. So how do you approach him in 2023? Yeah, I really kind of like it because I think he kind of represents the end of a tier where theoretically you're still getting contributions to all five categories, right? Like, uh, and, and meaningful contributions. While he only hit 16 last year, there is the potential for him to hit 20 or 25, right? I, I really don't see another season in which we're going 25 or 30 again with him, but it's not unrealistic to expect a 2020 season out of Cedric Mullins. You know that the uh, runs are going to be there as he leads off. The ribbies obviously could be a category that falls off. And the other thing that kind of was interesting to me was <clears throat> the what he's going to do to your average right like obviously last year he, he took a considerable step back in the average department which is probably something that we all saw coming to some degree as well right i don't know if we thought it would be as severe as going from 291 to 258 but i think there is some some positivity in the horizon if we're looking as to where that drop came it largely came from breaking pitches and off-speed pitches um the woba on his slider or on on uh god i'm so used to talking about pitching uh, his slider woba, I guess I should say. How do you how do you talk about hitters? Um, uh, his so slider fun, woba. It? <laughs> it's I literally it like broke my brain. And then I remember I was doing some research for this podcast, and I was like, oh, this is why people like talking about hitters. This can be kind of fun. It's fun. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's fun. Uh, the slider woba went down considerably from three eighty six to two twenty six. He was just not having as much success on sliders. That was a pitch. You know, that that's a big reason why 2021 happened. Obviously, slider usage league highs, and he was able to effectively, uh, you know, deal with that. He also chased heaters a bit out of the zone, which was a little bit concerning. Um, but I think you can look at that optimistically, right? I don't think he's going to get much worse in that department. So he could theoretically take steps forward with the slider again, take steps forward, maybe not chasing out of the zone with elevated heaters as much. And I see a world in which he could get back to like a 265, maybe 270 average. Uh, where he's going right now, I, I really kind of dig that because mm -hmm. the, the ceiling is contributing in all five factors, right? The ceiling is great stolen bases really good home runs are okay above average home runs good rbis and good runs with an average that doesn't kill you that doesn't happen after his picks anymore you know what i mean yep. so if you're a, a guy or, or, or a drafter who likes to you know maybe take a little bit more risk in the first round and you're not trying to get all you know if you're going to go for vlad right and you're not going to get the stolen bases or whatever you're going to take vlad a little bit earlier or something Cedric Mullins is, is a nice person to pair some of those style picks with because you can contribute to all five categories. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. I've been targeting Cedric. Uh, he's round pick 45-ish right now, so it depends on your 12 or 15 team formats. There's a lot to like about him still getting the five categories at that point at an outfield position and five outfielder leagues where it dries up pretty quickly. So uh, I, I am a fan of, of Ced for sure. Let's go to a guy that I just can't, for fantasy purposes, 
get a hundred percent on board with, and I know I could be missing the boat on this. Like Adley Rushman, I know is an amazing talent, and I think he's going to be very, very good. I just don't mm-hmm. know if this is the year to be taking a top sixty pick on Adley Rushman or not. That's where my conundrum comes into play. Uh, we saw after it felt like he got comfortable with the pitching staff and controlling a game, the bat kind of followed last year, it felt like. Um, how do you see Rushman this year? Because I, it depends on where you look, what you read, listen to. Some people are all aboard, like he's the next JTR best thing, or it's like there's still some trepidation at time too. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll say this. Uh, I can understand why there would be helium because the second half was so fantastic, right? I mean, like, if you followed my Twitter, I was definitely guilty of just tweeting about him as often as possible because it was so exciting to have an Orioles prospect pan out for the first time in my entire life. Um, but if you're trying to temper that, I, I I kind of understand it, and I can understand why him going in like the mid 60s uh, would be a little bit of a shock, especially because unlike JTR, he's not going to contribute to stolen bases for you. He's not going to do that. You're not going to get 10, 15 stolen bases out of Adley. I will say this: there were some things that had me a little bit confident. One, his ability to adjust in season was very impressive, right? Like I remember when he got called up in that first month was not pretty, right? Um, and I was very like, honestly, I didn't mind as much because I was like, whatever, like learning curve. He's a rookie. Let's see what he does. You know, maybe next year, maybe bounce back. I'm not ready to say he's a bust or anything, but there were people who were like, see, he's not going to be that good. Um, then he adjusted and I was really taken by that. And he adjusted in a, a huge way and showed up really big. Um, easy to cite second half numbers with a 379 Woba and a 150 WRC plus a lot of people are going to point to the struggles against lefties, which is very apt, right? Like that's very fitting. Um, I do think there were splits there as well. He had a 125 average with a 234 OBP against lefties in, in the first half, what kind of when he came up uh, in about 40 at bats, So a smaller sample. Um, also a sub 200 Woba overall, really not pretty. The second half, 58, uh, I think it was 58 at bats. Um, average shoots up, gets above the Mendoza, but it's still a 207. OBP goes above 300 and the Woba goes to about 300. So improvements, marked improvements in terms of context, but not, you know, I'm not looking at a 207 average with a 297 Woba against lefties and saying he's done it. Um, I will say this, though, Mullen stopped being a switch hitter and, and reached another level. While I don't think Adley would stop being a switch hitter and reach another level, I don't think it would be out of the question where if he's struggling throughout the year again with lefties, if they're like, just stay on one side of the plate and we'll, we'll figure that out in the offseason. So, yeah, I, I, I agree that the Heliums might be a little bit too much, but I think the floor is nice and high. Agreed, and that's why I was going to come back and at least not try to completely rain on the Adley parade because like, I wouldn't be shocked if he turns the corner and becomes the next best thing. Like The talent's there, and it's going to happen eventually. I'm not a, mm. a, oblivious to that. And the one thing I'll say for a catcher's position, if you want, his OBP skills are out of this world. So he's going to score a ton of runs hitting at the top of that order Like mm-hmm. because the, this isn't your old Orioles team. They are going to score runs. So he's going to, for a catcher's position, score more runs than you expect. So I, I won't completely poo-poo Adley Rushman. I just... I have a hard time making that pick is where it comes down to. No, I agree. Yeah. And one, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, continue. You said you agree. Uh, yeah. I, I want to let you hear I was, I, you agreed with me. <laughs> uh, I, was, I, I just wanted to say that I think you're the sexiest, the the kindest <laughs> man, the smartest. That's what I was going to say. I'll, I'll uh, let no, it that think, out. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Adley thing. Um, 
Uh, oh, yeah. So I think with them acquiring James McCann, too, as a veteran presence also gives them a solid catcher, too, that they trust that uh, isn't, you know, a lot of people would disagree, but isn't the worst, absolute worst hitter in the world. And there's plenty of opportunity for them to DH Adley. I know there were some rumors about like, well, maybe one day he'll get some some first base reps. I don't really see it happening this offseason, but like he will be a guy almost like Perez, where I think they're going to they're going to want to keep his 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 bat in the lineup in a lot of days it's not going to surprise me if, if they if they do that sure they're going to take it easy with him over the course of a full year but again i i, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him dh a, a good amount good point that just means more at bats the catcher's position so i like that quite a bit now you mentioned how excited you were for adley as a prospect to come through gunner henderson you might have like back-to-back prospects we haven't got to the pitcher prospect yet we might talk about like you guys have a slew coming watch out Twitter accounts mm. that follow Alex fast. Um, Gunnar Henderson. <laughs> this is another fun one because, you know, they talk about the third base cliff and all these things, and he's kind of like the edge of it at a pick around 95 to 100 right now. Um, we know the talent, again, very much there with Gunnar Henderson. Hasn't really had a gigantic major league sample size to kind of make you feel warm and fuzzy, but you know the talent's there. So are you trusting that to translate this season, or are you still kind of a little hesitant with Gunnar Henderson? No, I kind of, with the context of it, I kind of love where he's going, right? Like, so uh, for him as a player, obviously, well, I think he's the number one prospect on on a majority of sites. Like mm-hmm. on, um, uh, I know he's number one prospect for Baseball America, I believe. I think Keith, no, um, uh, he ESPN, Kylie McDaniel. Yeah, I, I know Keith Law. Oh, maybe get into that, but yeah, I know he didn't make him his number one. Uh, but he's up there, right? And obviously, yep. he had a good amount of at bats last year, so it's not like he's coming up and completely new. I think you know he, he's seen some major league pitching. Um, it's tough not to love that. I love the fact that he can demolish four seamers. I mean, he just like crushes heaters. You would expect that, right? He's he's mm-hmm. in many ways the best prospect prospect in baseball right now. I also love that that's paired with a relatively high walk rate, right? Like a 12% walk rate is is nice to see, right? That was like top five amongst rookies with 130 plate appearances last year, maybe sixth overall. Um, so he's going to get to those fastball counts, right? He's willing to get to those fastball counts, and that's not a fluke. The numbers against breaking pitches and against off-speed pitches are not as uh, as kind, um, and I'll be curious to see if you can adjust to that a little bit. Sub 300 Wobas against all breaking and against all off speed, which is a smaller sample, which is important. It's, a, it's an important caveat to make. And you don't become the number one prospect in baseball by not being able to hit breaking and off speed pitches. So I do trust that that's going to be a little bit positive. But to return to the point originally, I'll take this over Max Muncy. Like maybe we're, I'm looking at the ADP in terms of, yeah. of uh, draft champions leagues, but like, I, I like the upside that's there a little bit more. I think him going behind Devers and Arenado and Bregman, that that's kind of where he belongs to me. And if it gets to the point where, you know, my draft has gone a certain way or my auction has gone a certain way and he's the third baseman that falls to me, I'm not too, I'm not too upset. I think there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of shine and upside there in that position. And the, the, the pick doesn't involve as much risk. So I'm kind of into it. True. Yeah, no, I keep going back and forth on him. It's just, it's just a matter of how quick do you think he adapts to what the pitchers are adapting to him. And that's where, yeah. the, like he said, so if he can do it quickly, this is a steal potentially. A pick like 95 to 100 takes a little while. It could be interesting, but I'm with you. The talent's no joke. So we'll see how that plays out. 
Anthony Santander. Now, this is a fun one because mm. he's always been kind of like a late outfield guy, maybe a waiver wire target from time to time. But he goes in his 33 home runs last year, hits 240, which he's kind of done in back-to-back years. But the power just just jumped off the page. He walked more, struck out less. Like these things were all promising things. His ADP has skyrocketed for Santander standards to like 131. Now, the talent can be one thing. The ADP is another thing. So how do you view Santander in 2023 after a career season, essentially? Um, I think it'll be tough to follow it up, but I, I don't think 30 home runs is out of the question for him. Like, I really don't. I also love the fact that, like, you know, they call it Baltimore now, and it makes sense. It's impossible to hit home runs there. The park factors are awful for righties, for lefties. It doesn't matter. And he still did it. It didn't impact him. Right. It didn't impact him. He's still putting up 30. So you, I don't, you know, sure. Is the wall going to turn maybe one or two into a double? Maybe. But I don't know. I love that he cut down on that strikeout rate. I mean, I love that you're adding anytime you're going to add over 200 plate appearances and bring the strikeout rate down almost 5%. That's something, well, you know, that's something you're going to pay attention to. It also makes me think that the average could theoretically come up again. Right. Like it wouldn't be out of the question for me uh, for him to hit. 25 to 30 home runs with a 250 average. Um, and because of where he's hitting in that lineup too, is in cleanup, like, yeah, plenty of, plenty of RBI opportunities with some good power behind him as well. Like Brian Mountcastle hitting behind him, Ramon Urias sitting behind him, Kyle Stowers, um, and then any other infield prospects that could theoretically come up because we have 10,000 of them. Um, I think, you know, he made significant strides with with hitting off speed last year, which is really good to see. And that's been a continued journey for him. He's just been, I think it was his second or third consecutive year of improving his hard hit rate against off speed pitches, which to me says like, this isn't, that's not necessarily a fluke, right? It's not like, oh, you know, what we saw with, with Cedric Mullins where he crushed sliders for a year. And then of course he kind of fell back to it. This has been something that's been a, a, a gradual process for him he's always hit the ball hard he's always been a guy who's in the 80th or highest percentile in uh in max exit velocity and um i think the fact that he became a little bit more patient and uh you know got the walk rate a little bit closer to 10 that's that's good those are all encouraging steps for me so i think he deserves to be going where he's going and i'll take him in any league where he he still gets that kind of Oriole discount. I'll say this too. I think this might be the last year of the Oriole discount, right? hundred percent. I agree. Like you you said at the beginning, it's like, you're always going to find good players on bad teams. If they do well again, which they might, if they do well again, you might all of a sudden, wow. Yeah. We got to pay attention to Orioles players a little bit more. There'll be a bit of a tax. That's for sure. Cause it's, it's a thing now. And that goes to Ryan Mountcastle, who you mentioned, who is just a monster. And if anybody, I guess maybe it's just me from the outside looking and you watched pretty, probably almost every game or almost nearly every game. If anybody got hurt more from the new dimensions in Baltimore, it was Ryan Mountcastle, it feels like, because this guy has the legit just power machine, but he ended with 22 home runs after 33 the year before, and everyone could go to see the X home runs and all these things, and it was very clear that it it, it got him. Still has an ADP of 155, and the power is legit, and I think this, if you wait on first base, is not a bad spot to go to. So how, how do you feel about Ryan Mountcastle? there's a lot of, you know, been a lot of very good discourse about what you just said and about his power. The one thing that kind of oddly stuck out to me is that I think is important. Um, is the, this is strange is the gains that he made defensively at first base, okay. because to me, it theoretically locks in more playing time for him. Yeah. 
I remember like um, going to, I think it was, a, no, it was a, a spring training game. And I think Eric Cross was there with Eric, who's fantastic. And, or he had mentioned that he had seen him play some of the outfield and it's just awful. <laughs> it's just not, he's just like really not a good uh, defensive outfielder whatsoever. And then they were like, you know, Trey Mancini was still there at the time. Uh, so they wasn't able to get a lot of uh, reps over uh, at, um, at first base. Uh, and then finally he, he settled into that spot and he was an above average first base defender, which to me, they were like, okay, great. And I also, if I'm digging into it a little bit too much, he doesn't have to think about it anymore. True. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this is the thing that's conjecture for sure, but it's the fun of talking about fantasy. He's locked into a position at first base. No longer does he have to fear looking like a jerk in right field and figuring out that position. He's at first. He can just focus on hitting. Uh, you know, he, he's got a really good amount of power. And like you said, that wall is going to take a few from him. But like the expected stats are are there. You know what I mean? There's gains to be made in relatively every uh, department for him between average and OBP and slugging and Woba, like it's all there. Um, so he's another guy there. are I promise you there are Orioles. I'm not interested in uh, Brian Wright Castle. I don't necessarily know if he's one of them though. The best way to learn a language immersion living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Yeah, I, I'm a fan, but to hear you mention those things, this is why I do these shows, because people that watch it much more than me can give me even deeper thoughts on it so it's definitely a like i haven't made it a point to get him sometimes i wait and take anthony rizzo even later and get 30 mm -hmm. home runs so it's like it's one of those uh kind of depends on i guess context as people say but something you said there that i i love to preach um where it's like the, he doesn't have to think about it anymore i talked about it with other players and you know some guys can make the position changes easily but we've seen it time and time again when you know it's a new position they're struggling defensively and they take it to the plate with them and all those things and i i did the tigers show with marty tallman and i mentioned we talked about like torkelson and some of the other young guys like miguel cabrera is there and he announced to the media torkelson's the first baseman i'm there to help him learn now mm -hmm. torkelson can go to camp and not worry about just making the team not doing any just watch i'm not saying he's gonna be like an all-star just watch him probably be a lot better than he was last year like just mm -hmm. those little things for a younger player to not have to worry about long long ways and like you said you can't quantify that on a sheet it's not on a, a pictureless page or a fangrass page or anything like it makes a big difference those little things that you know we can't look at per numbers and then see where it goes i'm with you ramon urias this is a fun mm -hmm. one i'm really looking forward to your take here because he's a deep league just i think i circle him all the time he's second base third base eligible he's going nearly pick 400 it's 393 and a half right now he's gonna play every day pretty much or at least in a heavy side of a rotation give me 120 130 games possibly a little bit of pop 
he's not really going to hurt you, I don't think, outside of maybe steals. So mm. what's your thoughts, Ramon, your eyes? Am I overexcited about him? Is there someone coming to take his job? Because you mentioned there are tons of prospects. Or is this like a guy that's just boring, but he's going to play a ton? Yeah, I mean, there. The, I am concerned just about the prospects, just the litany of prospects that are theoretically there. I mean, I also do love the fact that he can play all around the infield. Um, you know, he, he can get reps really any, you know, even I was going to say any position to the left of second base, but he played a little second base too. Um, I was interested to see that they then signed uh, Adam Frazier because to me, that's who Ramon Arias is. But then again, I guess Adam Frazier is also that, but with more of a focus on being in the outfield as well. Um, you know, you can pop him in at left field if Austin Hayes isn't really doing the thing that he needs to do. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I'm necessarily as high on him. I mean, I think the fact that he you know, won a, a golden glove at third base last year, you know, gives him a good amount of playing time. It doesn't mean he's necessarily as good um, as, a, a, as a third baseman as that might necessarily indicate. Um, obviously the golden gloves, you can take with a little bit of salt and by outs above average. I don't think Ramon Arias was even in the, in the top five at the position. That was going to be the thing that I thought was maybe his saving grace that was going to kind of keep him there. Um, and maybe that's the case. I do love that the, he, he got more discipline, right? Um, he, he didn't strike out as much. He was able to put bat to ball uh, a lot better, which is a, a really great improvement. Um, yeah, I think he, uh, what, he struck out like three or 4% less overall. And mm -hmm. he was able to make uh, a little bit more, I think a little bit more contact overall. Um, yeah. He got a little bit less aggressive uh, on the first pitch. Uh, which is kind of interesting to see too. Oh, no, excuse me. I was mixing up a stat. He got more aggressive on the first pitch. Um, he's going relatively late at the moment, I believe, right? Yeah, 393. 393. Oh, so. That's why I, I get thought, interested. I'm like, at that yeah. late, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if he's going that late, then you are, okay, let me recontextualize it. Yeah, because let me take off my Orioles hat and put my fantasy hat on. <laughs> if if we recontextualize it from, an Oriole, from a fantasy perspective and you're telling me that you can get a guy who can hit 250 with the potential to hit 20 home runs. What's the problem? Yeah. Right. Like thing. what's the problem there? And with, with hitting six or seventh in a lineup behind all those stars, so likely going to have uh, or what hopefully will be stars and getting a good amount of RBI opportunities. So then now we're talking about three tools that are meaningfully contributed to. Um, you're not getting stolen bases that late anyway. And if you are, it's coming with a, 97 average yeah. um so yeah i hear where you're coming from yeah and it's mainly in dc formats like i'm not doing it in a redraft format it's like yeah. literally i get a, I get a second base third base guy that's going to give me depth on my roster it's very intriguing at that point in time um you mentioned austin hayes i kind of grouped them together and you can break them down as you wish you have austin hayes you have kyle stowers uh hayes at 263 stowers at 487 we kind of have a rough idea of who hayes is by now where stowers there's some speculation that there's like a whole nother level to this kind of kid if, if it all pans out. So what's your thoughts on these two who looked at the opening day outfields for us? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think I'm kind of with you on Austin Hayes with what you just said, where it's like you're, you're getting maybe a 250 average and you're getting under 20 home runs. Um, and I don't And he's sitting low enough in the order that I don't know if he's going to give you a lot of runs or ribbies. Um and could theoretically lose playing time over the course of the season if he doesn't show another gear. Um, I don't know if I'm necessarily buying that this is kind of like the year in which he's like able to fully turn it around and hit a new gear. Kyle Stowers, obviously the new kind of shinier toy. Um, 
some some swing and miss for sure, but improvements with batted ball skills. Um, what's I, uh, do you know Andrea on Twitter? Uh, uh, scout the, the girl, farm, scout girl, yes, scout girl, yes, yeah, scout report. She, she just I, like something else today. You're right about Kyle Stowers. Yeah, uh, and it's yeah, funny. It, it's so I I, I want to give full credit to her because she talks a lot about um, his ability to make contact and his hit tool, and also just about the uh, the power that he's got in his bat, the amount of line drives that he has, being a little bit more than average, uh, not really relying on ground balls a lot. Um, so that got me a little bit more interested, to be honest. I was about to come on here and be like, mm, I don't know if I necessarily buy the power and there's a lot of swing and miss there. But between me and her, one of us worked for the Yankees and one of us didn't. And I'm the one who didn't. So I'm going to trust her opinion a little bit higher than I'm going to trust mine. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, it's just I think it's a matter of at bats with him. Because if you look at even projections in the minors, he had, you know, 15 to 20 home run power projections. You know, the bad X has him for 84 games, but 10 homers. If he can sneak into maybe 130 games, it gets mm. interesting at that point in the draft. Another kind of free pick. So he's on the radar as a potential later option for sure is the way I look at Stowers. Um, you mentioned James McCann. Is there anybody else that really stands out on the potential starting opening? Like you mentioned Adam Frazier. Anybody else for fantasy that stands out on the uh, starting roster before we get to prospects later on? I mean, honestly, if it is a draft and hold, uh, or if it, you know, if it is a TC, like I, I don't really mind at the very, very end of it in a fifty-person draft looking at Adam Frazier, right? Like he could play more often than than people think because he could just be a plug and play guy like Arias. Um, he's currently slated in to be in platoon splits and to be in the opening, you know, day rotation. Oh, rotation. There it is again. Oh my God. Uh, the opening day lineup. But I, yeah, obviously 238 and 230 the year before, but there is that potential. There is theoretically that potential for him to have a little bit of a higher hit tool um, and contribute, you know, what, 10 stolen bases? Like mm -hmm. that. And if you're going at the very, very end, like there's some theoretical potential there. Um, in terms of, I know we're going to get to pitching in a little bit, but I think that kind of might cover it. I actually, unless... have, I actually have one for you that oh, you, don't have to go deep, you don't have to go deep in at all, but I was looking at the, the roster here and I don't know how I missed him. What are they doing with Jorge Mateo, who played 150 games last year and stole 35 bases, but also struck out a ton and hit 221. So, like, he's projected to start like in a platoon role on the bench. Like, he's still getting drafted at 234. So, what's going on with Mateo? It's a good question. I'll be curious to see how that kind of shakes out at camp because you're right. Like, it's another guy like Urias where defense, like, defense and solid bases really kept him in every single day. And he was sitting low enough in the lineup that we didn't really mind that he was hitting 211 or whatever because when he got on base, it was a guaranteed stolen base. And then, bam, we turned the lineup over. And next thing you know, he was scoring a few runs. The 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 weak side of a platoon right now is where they have him at uh, at second. Um, obviously, these, this is a fantastic website, but it's subject to change, as he would admit, uh, over at Roster Resource. Yep. So I'll be curious to see if he if he doesn't end up starting. Um, but he's another one of those guys where it's like with the amount of prospects that they have, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Jorge Mateo is that seventh eighth inning guy who gets pinch hit for uh, who becomes a pinch hitter and then is a defensive substitution coming into the late innings the orioles with this rotation are probably not going to be winning many games three to one or three to nothing it's probably going to be like eight to six or eight to five whatever so you're going to have plenty of defensive substitutions coming into the end of the game he could be one of them i don't know if i'm buying drafting him super high 
yeah, that's what I've been kind of torn on. So I was curious what you heard there. Let's go to the mound where this will be fun because now he'll start saying lineup and not rotation. So here we go. <laughs> um, <laughs> we got uh, Kyle Gibson. Let's start it off with Kyle Gibson, the new Oriole, Kyle Gibson. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those deals. We know we've seen talent from Kyle from time to time. And then we've also seen like the really high ratios that scare the snot out of you. Um, we know that you can go to Baltimore and become more of a pitcher. Like it's a pitcher's ballpark now. We've seen Jordan Lyles and some other guys like not be aces, but be much more suitable for fantasy. Gibson's ADP is 477, Alex. 477. And, and he's technically the number one in this rotation. Like take that with whatever grains of salt you want, but he's essentially free. So this is over the last six drafts, so the last two weeks. How do you look at Kyle Gibson? Because it's hard for me to pass on a guy that's going to take the ball every fifth day at 477. Oh, I think that is an absolute steal. Um, and here, here's here's a few reasons why. He, you know he's good for about 170 innings, which you're no, no one that late is going to be doing. It's going to be prospects who are coming up. It's going to be guys who are recovering from injury. It's going to be guys who have are more injury-prone. Um, the, the home run issue, which he has been susceptible to in the past, you already mentioned going to a fantastic park that suppresses home runs by like an insane amount. I think Tom Tango said it was like, I don't even, I don't want to quote the percentage because I don't remember, but I remember being like, how's that even possible? Um, I will say this too, that is what got me very interested in Kyle Gibson, which may even have him being in like the back end of my top 100, um, starting pitcher rankings, which is in the last two or three games of the season, he changed his slider which is fascinating to me. Slider has always been his kind of bread and butter swing and miss pitch. And he started to make it more of a sweeper, which is obviously the big trend. Um, going to be very interested to see what happens to that pitch in the first two months of the season. There's going to be a very distinct moment. We'll probably know it's spring training, even if we don't have pitch movement data, where we'll be able to see, ah, that's it. That's the old Kyle Gibson slider. He's stuck with it. And in that case, we're not getting any gains in, in swing strike rate. We're not getting any gains in K rate. And we're probably going to get the same old Kyle Gibson. Or that sweeper arrives and it goes two ways. Ah, it's a terrible pitch. Whatever. He's going to revert back to the old slider. Or, okay, now he can theoretically get a little bit higher of a, of a K rate, right? I, I don't see Kyle Gibson even with a, a, a revamped sweeper being a guy who is, a you know, low three ERA pitcher or anything like that. I'm, I'm not crazy enough to suggest that, but this is a guy who hasn't surpassed a 21% K rate since 2019. If the sweeper turns him into a 22, 23% K rate guy with a three, seven ERA, are you kidding me at four seventy seven? Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. That's why I'm willing to take that chance. And if anything, you mentioned the innings alone, that just gets my attention. So just to prove a bit and, and we're ready to rock and roll. Uh, one of the other new additions to the Orioles rotation is one Cole Irvin, and this could play great being a lefty in a ballpark that just messed with defenses in right and left field for right-handed mm-hmm. power is tremendous. Another guy doesn't strike out a bunch. Ratios were sub four, almost basically a four ERA last year, but a ton of innings again. So it's another innings eater for when you have the rest of the staff being pretty young. That comes in handy, um, and he's going at four sixty-three. So how do you feel, view Cole Irvin? I, I like Gibson more personally, but mm-hmm. how do you how do you view Cole Irvin? Yeah, Irvin uh, isn't at Irvin. I like more as a get as an Orioles fan as I do as a like a fantasy player, mm-hmm. just because I don't know where the pure gains are in terms of K rate. 
right? Are like he's a pretty different pitcher if all of a sudden he's got a 20% K rate because he's never had higher than a than a 17% K rate in a full season. Um, I do like that we can say full season with him a lot. I like that he's he's another guy who's gonna get you 170 to 180 innings. Um, but again, what's he gonna get you there? Now at pick 470, it might not matter. He can get you a low four, high three ERA. That alone might be make you interested in him. The scary thing is what could the whip be right now? Obviously the whip was nice last year. A 116 whip is fantastic. I'll take that all day from that pick. If I can get a sub 120 whip and a sub four ERA, I don't care how close it is to four. I can get that over 181 innings. That's that's fantasy viable K's or no K's. I'll say this though. Uh, last year, Austin Voth was doing what he always does in the nationals. He was like a guy that maybe we'd keep an eye on and he'd be a streamer if it was a weak team. And he came to the Orioles and they turned him around. They're, they're turning into an organization that might be able to benefit pitchers. And I'm curious to see if Cole Irvin is going to do that because he didn't show it the way Kyle Gibson did at the end of the year. It's conjecture. But I am curious to know if the Orioles saw Cole Irvin and said, hey, we have a million infield prospects. We'll get rid of one for a guy we can control who has four years of arbitration left and can throw 180 innings. Or if on top of that, they were like, plus... We can tweak that sinker and make it really interesting and ha- have him be a mid three ERA guy. I'm leaning it's more towards the former than the latter, uh, but we'll see what they do. Yeah, I'm very intrigued by the uh, the landing spot and potential. And like you said, is they've really started to be able to develop pitching there quite a bit, which is good to see. And that leads me to some of the young arms now. We got Kyle Bradish, who made his MLB debut last year. It was hit and miss. There's no doubt about that. But we know there's definitely some talent there. It's just a matter of can they tap into it appropriately. So how do you view uh, Bradish for this season? Does he take a step in the positive direction? Or are you still kind of hesitant on him? You know, of, of all the young arms, he would be the one that I would probably be least concerned about in terms of innings, right? Like there's some other young arms that we're going to talk about who I think either they've already said that they will be capped or will likely be capped. And I, because Bradish hit, uh, you know, almost 120 uh, innings last year with 23 starts it leads me to believe that okay they're, they're going to rely on him a little bit more to be the workhorse and and get 160 170 um it's a lot of up and down from him he you know anytime a pitcher goes in and you know i think it was like eight innings of two hit ball against the houston astros in houston you're, you're going to perk up and you're going to pay attention um i don't know if i necessarily believe fully in the in the arsenal though i mean the slider is nice it's a really nice slider it suppresses contact well it gets a lot of whiffs but he doesn't have that reliable heater yet right he, he goes with that kind of cutter slider approach and the cutter can can get walloped a lot and i don't know if i necessarily buy into into the cutter um i would need to see some kind of significant strides there um now if it were between him and cole Irvin. Like to me, there's more strikeout upside with, with Bradish, right? And, you know, the, the, we did some kind of study about what the least sticky year over year metrics are. um, And one of them is ERA, right? Like it's not uncommon to just drastically drop or drastically rise in an ERA. So I don't know. I, I think Bradish has a higher, he's got a higher ceiling and lower floor than Cole Irvin, but there he's young enough and there are enough strides that he could take moving forward. Yeah, no, I, I agree. He's he's very intriguing. Let's put it that way. There's yeah. definitely it's, uh, the the range of outcomes is pretty large with Kyle Bradish. Uh, we mentioned some of the young guns that have uh, innings concerns potentially. Let's go to Grayson Rodriguez, who they said has a great shot, has an outside or 
great chance, I heard what it was, to make the rotation. So everyone's ears perked up. Mm-hmm. His, AD, his ADP is inside 200 now. But um, I can't do it because even though he may start the season, it's going to be an innings thing. It's going to be an innings thing with him the whole time. We've seen him do it in the past with other starters, and it's smart when you have a young pitcher like that on a team like this. But what's your thoughts on Grayson Rodriguez for 2023? 100% agree with you. General managers are not fantasy baseball players. Yep. Uh, they don't care what you think. They care about the health of that pitcher's arm. I do think my my gut, I don't know anything. I don't have any contacts. I don't know anything. I, my gut is he starts the year in the rotation. Maybe it's just wishful thinking. But there's a great mining the news from Jeff Zimmerman, essentially saying those innings are they're going to be capped. Yep. And Jeff wisely compares it to Shane McClanahan's you know, first year where, you know, maybe the circumstances are a little bit different just because of the velocity, but like he'll go 70 pitches, he'll go 80 pitches. Right. And then the Orioles have a very good bullpen and they'll turn it over to that bullpen. Um, and they, they are looking for the long-term game and Grayson Rodriguez is a big, big part of those long-term plans. I love to get excited about him. It does worry me slightly that he dropped in virtually every top 100 prospect list. That does concern me a little bit. I also think that whoever the number one pitching prospect is in baseball, we assign so much value to them that it just conflates them crazy, like out, out of the like just out of this world. Sure, Grayson seems like he has a breadth of an arsenal that is so amazing that like yeah, he could live up to that potential. That's just not, for me personally as a fantasy player. That's just not for me. I'm just too risk averse. Like that, there's just so between the innings and the struggles that could happen seeing hitter, major league hitters for the first time and the, you know, the injury of last year, that's just a lot for me, but I hope he does great. <laughs> I, yeah. I hope. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent with you. I, and I think it was either Jeff Erickson or DVR made a great comp. If you just want to stick with the Orioles, they did this with Tyler Wells where he'd mm-hmm. go out there for like 70, 80 pitches and they just yank him. They just did it over and over again. And that was just how they managed the innings. And I could see a very similar path to that so it makes a lot of sense uh any other starting pitchers you know you have voth you have wells in the bullpen potentially um you have dean kramer is there anybody else fantasy wise that stands out to you of interest uh including prospects or no no not prospects yet we'll get to that okay um no not really i'm not really buying into uh the the Dean Kramer stuff. Keegan Aiken, I think, is just going to be permanently a kind of long relief guy. I do think we end up seeing Tyler Wells and Voth come in to relieve Grayson Rodriguez over the course of the season. Um, and I think a lot of people would point to, you know, some of the stretches that uh, Voth was able to go on. Uh, excuse me, Wells was able to go on and, and get excited about that. But I don't know if I'm quite buying into that. So I don't think either of them are particularly fantasy relevant. Now, when we look at the bullpen, it's Felix Bautista's show and everybody else is watching, and this is a pretty straightforward one, so I don't think we have to go too deep into this, but uh, mm. anybody outside of Bautista worth maybe taking a flyer on or keeping an eye on when it comes to the bullpen? Michael Givens is back, um, and he, he's been very good wherever he goes, and he's back for a reason, and I like that he's back. I think he will be a great holds candidate, and he could theoretically um, take a few saves here and there. That, that whole back end – is is interesting. Sidel Perez flashed some upside as well. Dylan Tate, obviously, kind of power sinker dude. Um, so really good holds candidates. I do think that he will Felix Batista is the guy. Like, I don't think we're gonna see, which is interesting. They seem like to be a very forward-thinking front office, but I'm pretty sure with that electric, like four seam splitter combination, that he's not like a 
a, a fireman. He's not coming in, in the seventh that often. I think they've got enough pieces in that pen that they can get him to the ninth and then he can shut the door. 100% agree. Plus the intro, we can't like have that, uh, you know, Felix oh. coming. We can't, that, that's just amazing. I love how teams yes. are embracing this. They need to keep embracing it around baseball more. It's amazing. 100%. Um, all right, let's talk prospects because you guys have a bunch of them. So hit me. What do you got for fantasy relevant prospects for 2023? Oh, baby. Okay. Um, so the one that I, so I'm going to do this. I'm going to skip some of the more obvious ones because I'm sure people have, have heard about them. Um, you know, obviously they know about DL Hall. I will say I'm a little bit more into the fact that I think he's going to end up being uh, a reliever. I really do. I, I I do wonder if he's just going to be like a lights out fireman for them. I just don't know about the command stuff. I'm rooting for him. I'm I'm hoping that's the case. Um, you know, people know about Jordan Westberg. They know about Colton Cowser. Um, you know, the, we're not really seeing anyone else. I think uh, in in a top ten list cracking this year. So the one that's kind of interesting to me is one that debuted, I believe, on. Um, Kyle McDaniel's um, top 100 list over at ESPN. And it was the pitcher that they acquired in the trade from Minnesota for Jorge Lopez um, in Cade Povich. Um, when that trade happened, there were a few people who I trust on Twitter that cover twin stuff who were like, that's who this deal is like. That's 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 not good. <laughs> like that, we, 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 I, I'm not really happy with that. Um, I think there's a lot of ups. There's a high floor and and uh, excuse me high ceiling low floor for him and he did not do well when he came over in his extremely short stint in double a in baltimore last year um but i in in single a uh like a 16 percent swing striker the 32 percent k rate dropped a little bit when he got to double eight in a smaller sample he's one of those guys where I wouldn't surprise me if like he's like a mid-season call up and kind of figures it out and he's getting like 60, 70, 80 innings by the end of the year. Um, so yeah, I'm going to pay attention to him. I think he's a little off the radar. I don't, I'm not taking him in any leagues unless that like he's not a standard 12 teams. Not, I don't even think he's a standard 15 teamer. There's plenty of other upside that's a little bit more guaranteed, but in like a deeper league or a dynasty league, like I'm interested, I'm interested to see what he can do. I like it. I like it a lot. And I'm looking forward to the Orioles this year, man. It's a tough division. As you know, I don't have to preach that to you, but they held their own last year. And I mm -hmm. think if they can just get some decent starting pitching, it doesn't have to be great because you guys are, you guys are going to score runs. There's no doubt about that. So just do enough to not get destroyed. And I think it's going to be, and you said the bullpen's great too. So give, go five and dive six if you have to, and then get mm -hmm. to that pin. And this Orioles team's very, very interesting. So any final thoughts for the O's in 2023 fantasy or real life, whatever you want, the floor is yours. Uh, I'll say one thing, because uh, I've been talking about this a lot. I will. Ex uh, I feel like I have to defend them. I will excuse the lack of signings this offseason if it means that next year we get one of the big starting pitcher free agents. Okay. Next year, Julio Urias, Aaron Nola, Shohei Otani, Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer, Luis Severino. Um, then there's even more. We're not going to get Otani. That's fine. I just don't think he's going to come east. Could we sign Scherzer to a two-year deal? I think it's ideal. I think it's fantastic. Give him as much money as he wants because he's off the books in two years. 
could we sign Aaron Nola? That's what I'm really That'd hoping for. That'd be I think that, I think it would be a perfect fit for Baltimore. I think it would literally yeah. be a perfect fit for Baltimore. So I'm reserving judgment on the quiet offseason until next year. I think it makes sense. There were a lot of guys that they couldn't sign, I think, because they didn't want to give up draft picks. If they go into next year and we're still scraping the bottle of the barrel, bottom of the barrel in terms of starters, not going to be happy. I will be the first to drag the team over the coals, but wanted to end on that positive note. I think yeah. we always are a little myopic in what we're looking at. We're not looking at the bigger picture. And I think the bigger picture is very promising. And uh, I just hope good luck to both of our black and orange teams. That's all I wish for. I think yours is a little better. So we're going to go that direction, but um, we'll, we'll wrap it up there again. Everybody check out Mr. Fast uh, on pitcherlist.com. We'll see him all over the uh, television between ESPN, MLB network mass. And he's all over the place. He's an, an Emmy award winner. Don't forget. And I get to draft with him in about a month or so. I'm thinking for tout wars. And I'm gonna try to take Michael Givens because it's a holds league just to make him feel <laughs> no, um, no, no. But, um, make sure you check him out on Twitter at Alex fast eight. Alex, it's always a pleasure talking to you, my friend. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody. This is your bench with Bubba Baltimore Orioles season preview. Catch you guys next time. <laughs> <laughs>